you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley back again for another week ahead of our Round 16 bye. And joining me once again is Billy. Good, mate. How you going, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. Lots of news lately. It's a pretty busy uh, week for Rugby League and also for Supercoach. Um, we've got George Burgess just being suspended for nine weeks at the Judiciary. Big suspension. Um, Tarek Sims is in there at the moment. That's going to have quite a few repercussions for State of Origin, but also for um, his NRL team, but even more so for Supercoach purposes with David Clemmer currently out of the Origin team. What did you think about Burgess's suspension? Nine weeks. Oh, it's got a pretty long rap sheet, mate. He was always going to get something. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty much a dog act. So yeah. Nine, nine weeks, six months, couldn't care less, mate. He, he, he'll be out for a while, which is good. Yeah, I think that they got it pretty spot on, to be honest. I thought that it would be between eight and ten weeks, and um, so nine weeks is, oh, I'm pretty sweet with that. I think that it's it's fair. It's not outrageous where he's going to miss, you know, 20 games or 15 games and stuff, but it's long enough yeah. where he's going to yeah, miss look, the rest of the season. Yeah, mate, look, I know it's footy and... In the heat of the moment, these guys are going to go throw a shoulder charge every now and then or get a little bit sort of fired up. But once the tackle's made, to show you, show you things in a bloke's eyes while he's on the ground, smothered, it's pretty much a dog act. You don't deserve to be there. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it worked out well that it's nine weeks and that's the rest of the regular season. Um, what I will say, and this isn't to defend George Burgess, one of the things that I've been massive about for a long time now, and I've mentioned it when people have spoken about uh, speeding the game up by changing the interchange rule and things like that. Like I just think that you can speed the game up if you can control it better as referees in the ruck area and in the tackling. And I've said to so many people, just get the referees calling held much earlier. If you watch the Super League, as soon as a guy's wrapped up and he's not really going anywhere, like he might take like half a step forward a little bit or whatever, they just call held. Like they don't let the guys do any groundwork or post tackle work in the NRL. Like they allow you to do all this post-tackle work, like a bloke is clearly held and he's not going to do anything and he's wrapped up and the ball's locked. You know, if they call that, people like George Burgess can't start doing shit after a tackle's already been completed. But at the moment, there's just so much rubbish that goes on on the ground. It's just, it's really annoying. Yeah, how long ago did that come in? Was that, a, was that something that Bellyache pretty much pioneered you know, 10 years ago or has that been going on for uh, as, as long as you can remember? Well, I think it's kind. It's half as long as I. It's half the last twenty years, pretty much. But the most, the most part of it's come in since the wrestle came in about a decade ago. A lot of it's obviously the Storm pioneered the wrestle because they're, they're good at it and they started doing it first. But not their fault. But um, yeah, the wrestle just because the whole idea is that you hold the guy up, and um, and you, you'd rather hold him up upright and lock him to the ball, so it's harder for him to play the ball, but also so. The tackle goes for longer because the longer that the tackle goes for, the more your defensive team has to set themselves and get their line in place. So you don't even want the guy on the ground because as soon as the guy's on the ground, then it's tackled and you've got to get off and your defensive set is under pressure. So it's the wrestle's there just to hold them up and just to prolong the tackle. Well, the referees should be smart enough by now just to go, no, he's held, get off him and not let them hold him up for five seconds, then put them on the ground when they're ready 
and then have all this groundwork where they work over the top of them and do all this rubbish. You know, it's anyway. That's that's going to be the rant of the week, even though it wasn't going to be because you get me fired up, Billy. <laughs> I know what your pet peeves are, mate. Just sort of throw it out there. Bait taken. <laughs> well, um, Sims is the other one, and if Sims doesn't get off, Clemmer's obviously going to be straight in the Origin side. If Sims does get off, it's going to have huge Origin ramifications. Um, so we'll keep track of that as the podcast goes along and see what happens. But for this episode, um, we're going to go through our mailbag like we normally do. Um, also chat a bit about the buy as well and then go through the normal TLT for the short and buy round this week, which is going to be a critical one uh, for people to move up or move down quite drastically with numbers in teams this week. So first up, Billy, um, before we get to the questions in the mailbag, just a real brief chat um, about the upcoming buy this week because that's going to be front of mind for everybody. Um, I guess first things first, you raised um, a few key points um, on the podcast before, and we've done obviously around 16 by planning segment, but obviously coming up to it now, there's a couple of key things for people to remember. The first probably rule is quality over quantity. So that's probably your number one motto that you've preached a lot. Tell us all about quality over quantity for this week in round 16. Yeah, you look at um, you look at the numbers you, that everyone tries to get. You, you try to get 17 for the first buy, then you try to get sort of um, you know, 13, maybe 14 for the second buy, and then ends up being you know, if a feed is suspended and uh, Haas has a hamstring injury, then Clemmer's pretty much rubbed out. So if you end up in, end up getting rid of your, your three or four quality guys, and you end up having you know sort of three or four sort of wingers or mid prices there, not only do you get you know potentially the 30 score, but you also you also waste the trade and get those sort of guys as your sort of fifth string or sort of fourth string sort of options and potentially have to play them. So um, I, I a lot of people go with the quality of the quantity, but I think it's so much more evident when you see blokes that you know have, have 10 players score you know, um, 10 times 60 or solid 600 points where you can have 14 players and you know get a couple of tens, a couple of twenties and. And that one round, if you don't get the time, then it just all falls to pieces, mate. So it's best off just getting a solid team in there of quality, knowing that you're going to be right before before the buy, during the buy, and the first game after the buy when your Origin guys are rested too. So yeah, I kind of like treating it as like a um, progression of three games. Yeah, and I mean for me, one of the points that you'd raised before as well, and I agree with the biggest thing for me is. Trying to get guys in, particularly if you can't make decisions, get guys in this week with your two trades, preferably that you're happy to keep for the rest of the run home. Uh, I think that's the safest way to do it. You, you save trades that way as well. So someone like um, uh, TPJ looks like he could be value. Um, he played 80 minutes on the weekend. Um, he's been trending up a little bit. We've been talking about him. His dual position as well to move between front row forward and second row forward, that can be handy. So he's someone that maybe you can keep for the run home and get in for good buy cover as well. If Clemmer gets off, yeah. um, I mean, Clemmer is uh, 100% a keeper. So you can get him in, and it's no question, get him in because he's going to be a, a season-long keeper. You can put him in from round 16 and then just hold him and use him for the rest of the season. In a different position, Latrell Mitchell um, is obviously going to be playing now in round 16. He's a premium round 16 option, and he's also someone who's going to be one of the best centre-wing keepers in the game particularly when you look at the run home. And that's the other key thing that I think people maybe miss out on. If you've got a couple of keepers, like say you've got Latrell and, and Momolo, 
um, and you're looking at both, you can't you can't get both this week because you've got two trades and you've got to make another one, for example. Have a look at their draw um, after round 16 and see what it looks like because you'll see very quickly the Roosters have a very good draw and Latrell Mitchell looks like he's going to kill it, whereas Mamolo has quite a poor draw and he looks like he's going to go downhill. So if you can't decide between the two, the draw should be a good deciding factor if you've got two keepers as well. Yeah, 100%, mate. And just quickly on the quality over quantity thing too, so um, there's also that sort of pod factor as well. Um, uh, buys are a really good time to look at a team like, um, you know, um, you, you might have 10 quality guys and, inst- and instead of nothing someone out, you might decide you want to spend sort of 300k for a pod like, you know, Sir Sean Kenny Dow. You go and have a look um, the night's draw and realise, you know, they're playing Warriors at home, then they're playing, then they're playing Dogs at home, so... During the um, the Origin game, as well as the backup one, where guys like Ponga might be rested, or um, some of their forwards might be, um, like a forward like Ferman might be rested if he was playing Origin. You look for potential outside back opportunity where there's one or two bid prices might sort of go on or go on up, go on a quick you know, two or three tries merge, and then they all of a sudden they become your part, and then your fifth your, your fifth string option that still rots away. Yeah, and I mean that's that's. A- Going on to a good tangent point as well, you don't. When we're talking about guys that you can keep for the run home, they don't have to be the top, top of the crop guys. Like they can be guys that you're just happy with their run home just to interchange in. Um, so centre wings, obviously a prime one. Where, you know, I got Daniel Tupo a couple of weeks ago. I don't think that he's a definitive top four centre wing keeper guy. He's not one of those top guns, but he is a guy that I can have in my sixth centre wing rotation that I can rotate in for some of the games and also have a pod and not have to burn a trade to get him out after round 16 too. Yeah, mate, 100%. Plenty of different ways to skin a cat. So, well, we have a look at some of those questions and take it from there. Sounds good. Well, um, speaking of centre wings, the first question on the mailbag tonight is from JC Charles. He listens quite a bit. Thanks, JC. And he said, ignoring the buy round, is it smart to sell Sherry with that monster BE and Dugan chucking a tantrum to play centre? And then who's the best trade for him? And he's posted his team here. So in his centre wing, um, JC's got um, obviously Sherry in there, Nakora, Latrell Mitchell, Mamolo, Manu, um, Aitken, and Patrick Herbert. So the first thing that I see with that, Billy, is um, I'm 100% selling Sherry with that BE if I don't care about the round 16 buy, which he doesn't. And the second thing that really sticks out to me is um, he's got three really good centre wings in Latrell Mitchell, Mamolo and Nakora. And the rest of them are probably below standard where he doesn't really have a fourth guy that's um, going to be good every week. Um, so obviously Manu and Aitken can be a little bit up and down. Um, so I would really want to get a guy that's going to be a solid, um, more reliable guy than some of those guys. For me, uh, Manu Mau is the number one guy that comes to mind where he could go Sherry to him, um, and they're almost exactly the same price, and that seems like a no-brainer. If you wanted a upside guy, um, I'd probably say another way to skin this cat is um, Clint Gutherson. Has been going well across the season despite a couple of poor patches. Eels have got a decent run in the next month especially, uh, and he's exceptionally cheap. He's sub 400k. You're going to make over 100 grand on that trade and be able to upgrade elsewhere. So someone like that might also be an option. What were your thoughts on uh, the trading of Sherry out? Uh, yeah, if you don't care about the 
round 16, you're obviously not overall. So, yeah, just punch him and get in either Manu Mao or I don't think you mentioned Bateman. Does he have him in the second row? No, sorry, I meant to mention Bateman. Um, Bateman should be the first guy traded in, aside from those other guys, probably. Uh, the way the way Mao's going, I, I'd probably punch Mao in over, over Bateman at the moment, actually. So, yeah, either, either of those two blokes, so I'd punch Mao and Cherry for. But... Yeah, I mean, I... I... I think that even having a look at his centre wing that I'd be planning to get rid of um, probably uh, Herbert the following week. So I'd be getting two centre wings in across the next two weeks. One for this week for Sherry um, and then another one the next week for Herbert. So you could even get Mao and um, Bateman in in consecutive weeks for Herbert and, and Sherry with a bit of extra cash as well. So that'd probably be my plan with that. Yeah, 100%. Um... You can keep keeping the core there. Get, get the two, get the two other other second rows in there, and um, yeah, just just keep your high base down there. So next question from Sam Ford, long time listener as well. He can only get one of Maddo or Latrell Mitchell. Uh, who should he get? So that's the first part of the question. So let's hit that one first, particularly because a lot of teams are in this same boat where Madison and Latrell Mitchell are really popular buys for this week. A lot of teams can't get both of them in. So who do you think is the most important one out of the two? I'm going to say Latrell, uh, only because Kiri's back, he's gone back to centre. And as we talked about last week, um, uh, what do you call it? Roosters, the first 12 to 15 games, they, they pretty much played the top four or six teams and, and most of those teams twice, whereas now they play the uh, the bottom four eight teams or the, the top four. Uh, actually, I think we'll, we'll heat back last week, so they now play the top four teams that leak uh, the most points against opposing cemetery quarters. So a goal kicking lateral in the best team in the comp with his with his five eighth next to him now. Um I'm banking him on him going on going on a run. And even if he doesn't do it this week, he's the guy I'm, I'm, I'm most fearful of not owning. So um yeah, I take the bloke that can score hundred and forty over the guy that uh, can score sixty, maybe ninety with a try. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell's a no-brainer for me out of the two. And that's not because Madison hasn't had a monster season. Um, I think I agree with everything that you said, Billy, and Latrell Mitchell's draw is a, is a clincher. Um, I would be worried if he had a tough draw. But because his draw is so easy, uh, I think you've you got to definitely prioritise him. The other thing that I'll say is when you're looking at guys that are in different positions, you need to look at positional drop-off. And what I mean by positional drop-off is between... Your guy that's one of the top guns and the next guy in your team in that position, what's the difference in points? Or between that guy and someone else that you can get later, what's the difference in points? The problem is with Maddo is there's other guys in the forward spots that can give you similar points. Probably you might even have three second row forwards to start that are going to give you as good a points as what Maddo is going to give you every single week. In center wing, it's a completely different beast. It's a shithouse position. If, if you take out the actual forwards that qualify for centre wing, there is stuff all as far as quality goes and no consistency at all. Latrell Mitchell hasn't been that consistent, but he's, he's out of the non-forwards, probably the guy that you're going to be most confident in having in your centre wing compared to anybody else that you can get in that position. So that makes a big difference to me. Yeah, 100%. I think that last point you just mentioned is the kind of uh, um, the seller. Uh, and if that doesn't add, any, add enough weight, I was talking to Wilfred this afternoon. I asked the ex-champ himself, uh, who would he buy out of him or Clemmer or someone else? I can't remember who it was. And his answer was 100% uh, lateral if he'd been him. 
Yep. Um, so definitely get him in. The second part of um, Sam's question was, if you won't play the player again, would you get Fitzgibbon or Jazz Varga this week? So it's somebody that he's just getting in for the buy cover, and he's not going to probably play them again. I understand um, the Fitzgibbon love because I started with him. I thought he would have a much better season than what he's had. Um, unfortunately, they just it just hasn't been there for him. He's only scored three tries this year, which isn't enough. He's coming off an 82-point performance, but the two weeks before, he scored 27 and 30. His base has been 42, which is quite poor. Um, having said that, they've got the Warriors and then the Dogs, so I can kind of see why you want to maybe have a punter in only 400k with a 38 BE. I'm going to say for me, though, Billy, it's going to be the Jazzman, Tavaga. Um, he had an absolute blinder on the weekend with 88 points in 74 minutes, inflated a little bit by... Um, Potentially Roach's injury, but more so because we had Golden Point as well. But in saying that, he's pretty much, you would think, locked in for sort of mid-60s in points at a minimum, uh, minutes at a minimum, um, and that's going to give you 60s in points. And he's got a BE of 1, and he's only 392k, so he's cheaper, he's got a better BE, and he's a second-row forward or hooker to give you positional flexibility. So to me, it's actually a no-brainer with the team name this week, especially if you're just doing it for round 16. It's Jazz Tavaga all the way out of those two. Oh, yeah, hundred percent, mate. He was the he was the Billy Marion by the week special last week. You're a week <laughs> late, Tiger. Oh, I think that you agreed that we wanted to wait and see TLT first to make sure that Burr was on the bench <laughs> and talk it up too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, agreed. No, no, I didn't buy him last week. I, I wanted to wait and see if um, but if Burr took the thirteenth spot this week or. Whether Burr came back on the bench, so even if he only gets to the 45, 50 minutes, I'll take that. Um, worst case scenario, um, he's proved himself now. He's getting the minutes, 1.2 ppm. So, yeah, um, getting him his break even was 71 last week, so it was a, a nice little cheap, nice little cheap look that wasn't going to cost you too much. So, yeah, 100%. I'd, I'd, I'd get him in over Clamor actually. Sorry, we're going to talk about Jazz because that was the next question. Um, we've had heaps of people talking about it everywhere on forums and also asking us questions on, um, is Jazz a buy? And I think quite clearly you think that he is. Uh, I think that he is as well, um, partially because he's a guy that's um, a lot cheaper than the other options, but his output is secretly very, very good. He's um, He's got a really good PPM um, and... At the moment, we've got Tohu out for at least another sort of five weeks. Um, and even when he comes back, they might shuffle it around so someone like you know Blair ends up back on the bench or something. And this week's TLT has not only Burr on the bench, which suggests that Tabaga's now overtaken him, but this week's TLT has also shown us that they're still going to run with a bench hooker. Um, so they've got Isaac Luke on the bench. So that, with three forward bench, that completely plays into the hands for Tavaga just to make that 13 jersey his home and potentially stay there for the rest of the season. But even if he doesn't, um, the downside's pretty minimal. If you want to leave him in your side, you're still going to get good points out of him. Yeah, and um, the difference is um, a bloke like Clemmer is... He's kind, of, he's kind of the Tolman mold. Like he's, he's a PPM beast, but he just comes on and does his thing. Um, Tavaga has that ability to um, uh, break, break the line a little bit more, more consistently. Um, when I say consistently, not every game, but probably twice as much as Clemmer. <laughs> like he's, he's a little bit quicker. Um, he, he's a dual hooker too, so he's obviously got a little, a little, bit, a little bit of speed there if they thought he was a hooker last year. So um, 
Yeah, look, I think if this bloke just gets to the 55 minutes, I reckon he maybe matches Clemmer. Not easily, but but uh, pretty pretty much around around that mark consistently. So um, I would much prefer to go a bloke like Tobago this week, knowing that um, you're going to save a couple hundred hundred grand, and you, you, everyone should be that deep with um, quality. Now you really don't even need to play a bloke like Clemmer next week. So um, you should be having you know sort of three or four Joe Tobago's on your best one now. So if you don't have to play him next week, it's 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 a no brainer just getting him. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure that I would get him over Clem, though. Um, I think Clem is a better buy. If you're just looking at um, full-season keepers, I'd rather him. Um, and whilst he is meat and potatoes, he's just getting... Uh, his increase in minutes has gone from 58 a game last year to 66 a game this year. And at his PPM, that's you know an extra nine-odd points that he's getting this year just because of minutes. It doesn't look like those minutes are going to stop. Um, he's basically... Played minutes in the 60s all year by two games, which are 59 to 54 minutes. And as long as that happens, um, I think that he'll outscore Jazz. Um, and he'll also have the second row forward, front row forward flexibility, which if you're throwing Jazz in the second row forward, the flexibility is probably better with Clem. I probably just, I think he's just more reliable. In saying that, it depends if you need the extra 150-odd K as well. Yeah, let me rephrase that. If foregoing Clemmer meant getting Jazz and uh, Latrell versus uh, a guy like Host and Clemmer, I would 100% take the the, pro- the price cut on Tobago and Clemmer to get um, to get Latrell in, in in the team. Obviously, knowing that, that there's that little bit of risk that you know um, Kearney shows up and does a uh, um, does a Dragons or a um, or a Bulldogs and you know, drop, drops half the players you're expecting to be on the field, so. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a cut price option. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and look, he he could end up being a a sneaky one where if he holds a job, he he could go pretty close to sort of summer Clemens output as well. Uh, so next question's a Jazz one two from Jay. Uh, would you trade Cam Murray for Jazz Tobago? Uh, not this week. I don't think. I think last week was the time to do that, and you probably lost lost a fair bit of coin on um, on Murray now. Um, he's only going to play sort of forty minutes during the buy. Probably wouldn't play next week, but given that um, everyone's probably only got around sort of eight trades left right now, I'd probably sort of forego that one and try and find someone else to do it. Only because there's no guarantee that you know Tavaga is going to come back and be in the starting lineup. So I would, I, I'd be cutting a bum or, or um, one of you guys who's maxed, who's maxed in um, cash. You're not going to use anymore. Yeah, I, for me personally, I think it's a bit of a tough question for me to answer. Um, for Jay, because it really depends on what his other move is going to be. There's 170k almost difference between Cam Murray and Jastavaga. If he's going to be making a big move with that to a second keeper that he's not going to be able to do and he's got limited trades, I'd probably do it. Yeah. Um, it's probably a, a time yeah. that I would. He hasn't been going that well, Cam Murray, lately. He's got 43, 56 and 34 in his three rounders. Yeah, those are all sort of origin-affected games, though, or for... Yeah. Um, yeah, shorter turnarounds, so that's kind of to be expected. Although, um, yeah, there's two schools of thought there. Um, people who just, well, three schools of thought. Those who thought he was going to punch out those numbers every week and has been have been blindly holding him and playing him every week, whinging. There's the people that know he's been rested who haven't sold him and just have been benching him. And there's also the people that you know saw it coming and sold him and will maybe buy him back. 
once his form once his form comes back. I'm back I'm backing him to hit his form hit to hit his form again a couple of games after Origin, you know, once Cook comes back refreshed, but um I'm not sure I would be selling him at this point with that with that little trade little number of trades around, especially for a bloke like Tavago who even though he's a beast, there's no guarantee he's not gonna play forty minutes or go back to the bench with Bert around. So I'd be very wary of that one. He could punch the same numbers as my yeah, that's true. Uh, I I said it before, but I, I thought if you were going to trade someone like Cam Murray, you had to pull the trigger for round 12, uh, which is the, the exact trade that I did. Uh, and I haven't looked back since. I was happy with it. Um, he could come good now, but it's about getting the most value. And I thought between round 12 and round sort of 18, I was going to get far better value without Cam Murray in the side when I sold him for 600 and something K. But trading him now, um, so close to the run home, it's, it is a bit risky. I agree with you there, Billy. Um, I guess looking at it a different way, though, if you weren't trading him for Jazz, um, you're trading him for, say, a, a season-long keeper, somebody else. Would you trade him to, say, a, a Clemmer, if you're ready to Clemmer higher, or um, another season-long forward keeper? I'm going to say, look, it depends on your team structure. So for my team, I'd say no. I've got plenty plenty of depth, and I don't want to trade uh, you know, a guy that I think is going to be in my team long-term for a guy that's going to give me, you know, um, 65 points this week, which I know I can make up with Tavaki this week, uh, and um, bench um, next week, knowing I've got plenty of depth. But if you don't have enough enough depth to show a strong team this week or a strong enough team next week, then yeah, uh, and you've got a few trades up the sleeve, then yeah, it might be the, not a point move, but it might be the move that you need just just to stay strong and win a couple of head to heads. But uh, if you've got enough trades up your sleeve and a strong team, then no. But if you need desperately need to win a few games, then yeah, do it. So Daniel Hopper wanted to know whether he gets rid of Tapao or Murray. Um, I'd trade Murray out at the two to make his moves this week. I've traded Tapao out, <laughs> although I think he's a different boat to Murray. Yeah, look, if it, if it means getting a solid number like uh, Clemmer for you know seventy odd points, uh, and you and you have trades up your sleeve, and you're going to be strong enough for around 17, uh, 17 and 18, then yeah, no, no dramas with that whatsoever. I think it's a good trade. Yep, same. Um, so we just had some news come up, guys. We've got Tarek Sims being unsuccessful, found guilty at the NRL Tribunal Judiciary. So so that means all the Dave Clemmer talk, throw it out the window, put it in the garbage. Um, I think that was Freddie's plan all along, to be honest. I think that he knew that it was a long shot. Um, and he managed to seem like he was staying loyal to the Game 2 team, whilst also knowing that Clemmer would probably come in. That's exactly what's happened. Whether Freddie got lucky with it or whether he's a mastermind, who knows, but Clemmer's going to be playing Origin and Tarek is out. So get him out of your, ga- uh, your plans for this week. Um, next question was from Shannon Dransfield. He's managed to work in two questions here, Shannon, but because he's a good bloke, we'll answer both of them. First one's, what do I do with Croker? Mate, Croker, Croker, I have. I tell you what, like I, I get angry with him, but he has had some very good runs. Like from round six, he went seventy three, seventy seven, sixty six, sixty five, um, and then obviously straight up, you know, scores like seventeen. Last round, he threw up eighteen points against your Eels. The the two games before though, he had seventy one and eighty seven. He hasn't been terrible. Right, the Eels are electrifying this year. Oh. They just they stunt all the best centre centre wings, mate. The Eels, so you just can't do anything against them. But a croak is very frustrating. But I made this comment today, chatting to a couple of guys, and I, you know, they said, "Oh, croak is shit," and it's like, yeah, he is sometimes, but sometimes he's really good too. Unfortunately, that's what centre wings like. I've already droned on about it, but 
center wings, if you're not talking about forwards, this is how they are. They, they throw up 87, 71, and they give you 18. It's pretty hard. I'll, I'll say what I'm going to do with Croker as an owner, and then you can let me know as a non-owner, Billy, what you're going to do. But for me, um, I sort of looked at it, and I've got other guys to trade out from my center wing, um, like uh, a Mike Acevo, who has been quite solid, but he's worth, you know, 70 grand or something, 60 grand more than Croker, so that's easier to do for me with other moves I need to make. Um, and I've also got some other guys that I want to get out of there, like Patrick Herbert later. So it's easier for me to just save the trade and leave Croker there and just rotate him in with my center wings um, and have him as a six center wing option. They do play uh, the Dragons, Tigers, Penrith, and Warriors the next month of football. So as far as runs go, that's pretty decent um, before they hit a couple of harder games. So... I'm just going to leave him there and just not play him for some of those weeks. And like my whole center wing options are, I'm just going to rotate the best four in out of the six guys that I've got. So I would probably hold him because I'm going to assume that Shannon's got some guys that are worse than, than Croker to, tra- to trade out or to cull. Um, if you've got a Patrick Herbert, for example, and you need to get a center wing in for him next week, like I do, I'm just going to get a forward in instead and then cull Herbert to another center wing to give me uh, another center wing number. So... Um, but if if you if you're not in that position, Shannon, then I think it's fine to obviously cut Croker. It's just that there's not that many great centering options that are just going to give you more of a guarantee week to week than what he does anyway. Aside from those few forwards that you can throw in there, Billy. Yeah, I know exactly the same route as you, mate. Um, did the same thing last year. Uh, his his second lowest score last year was a 37 and the week after that he punched 138 versus the dogs so <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm just having a look at previous years just to see what he's like at the back end of the season for you Shannon that, that's all because I recall he seems to that's where his tongues come from he, I was looking at him at the beginning of the year I'm pretty sure he does doesn't it yeah same year before it was exactly the same. So in around 14, the game before Origin in 2017, scored a 38, had a, had, had a bounce back with a 63, then a couple of other sub-pass scores, 25, 38, 36. Then it comes 115, 41, 110. So end of the season, he always chucks a big ton in there. So I'd, um, and those were versus um, Warriors and, yeah, and Souths when they smashed Souths. So... They play yeah, Warriors twice on. for the rest of the year as well. They've got two more games against the Warriors. There you go, Shannon. There's your answer. Hold on to him, bench the bum, and wait till he plays the Warriors to unleash hell, mate. And the second part of Shannon's question was, when should we start nothing? For me, it's now. Um, I nuffed last week with one guy. Um, if you need to nuff this week, that's fine too. Otherwise, next week and the week after, you definitely should be. You should be going like, um, you know, for me, a, a McHale from the Tigers and a Patrick Herbert are both going out, one of them's going to be enough and one of them is going to be a gun. And I'll just do that um, next week to get my team in order and have, you know, probably three nuffs or two nuffs in my team. Hey, the amount of cheapies are, oh, I'm not nuffing anyone. I'm just downgrading everyone to people like Burns <laughs> and upgrading Farrah to Cook. <laughs> oh, if you got the yeah. numbers and you got the money and you got the trades, then go crazy, mate. I'm going to have two nuffs in my side. Um, so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, look, it's... Yeah, it's probably about now you can start nothing, but I would only do one, maybe two, because you know injuries are going to come. So however, however you um, however you use that cash, use it very, very wisely, and make sure you got enough. Make sure you have enough depth, because I can guarantee you there's going to be two or three forwards rested next week, and there'll be a centre three quarter injured. 
um, uh, what's his name, Cleary, Cleary might not turn up, and then all of a sudden you got a got a guy like Cush uh, playing in the halves with you know SJ, and he might hobble off with a hamstring injury, and before you know it, you're entire spine is fucked. So just be careful what you wish for. Yeah, for sure, and I'll probably say too, make sure that your um, where you put your nuffs matters. So I would always head towards having one nuff forward you know, between second round front row forward one, and then one yeah, center dual. wing and dual, yeah, and make sure it's dual, and then another dual um, center wing guy sitting in your center wing because your your center wing and your forwards you've got the most options. I've seen guys do enough with with halves. And it's just, that's a killer. I, I would not want to do enough with, with any of the halves. Yeah, see, that's where um, strategy comes into this late in the season. So just paint this picture, all right? So I've got, I had um, Cook and Farah in my team uh, last week. Um, I, sold, I sold Cook for Smith because I wanted to use that cash injection and avoid um, Smith's, uh, sorry, Cook's small score this week as well as his buy around and his potential sort of, you know, sort of smaller minute game. But and did needed to have a strategy in order to get Cook back into the team. So what I've done is um, I'm either going to do one or two things. I'll keep enough cash on hand to uh, pump up Farah um, back to Cook in a couple of weeks, but also have another strategy. I'll, use, I'll, I'll bring in Joe Stavaga in the second row, knowing that he's dual as well, like a dual hooker as well as um, dual hooker as well as um, second row. And if um, Cook is still being rested or it's too early to bring him in and Farah starts bleeding cash. I can easily get rid of um, Farah, move Varga up to Hooker and bring in a decent second rower. And then when Cook's right to go, then all of a sudden Tavaga becomes a Cook when he's actually, when he's reached his peak. So, um, say this a hundred times, but you know, there's plenty of different ways to skin the cat and jewels are um, extremely valuable. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, so, um, so Rick has um, asked us, is 20 players for the run home enough um, and is the, the right sort of strategy or team build two at hooker, four halves, two fullback um, with three trades left? How is that looking? He's also got four gun halves um, in Cleary, SJ, Ponger and Moses, he said. So really for me, um, my particular team build, first of all, I'll say um, two hooker, four halves, two fullback. That's the best place to start. Um, particularly, I think you need to have four gun halves and two gun fullbacks. Part of that is because of quality. There's obviously so many good fullbacks that you can have. You, you just have to have two guns there. Um, Teddy and Turbo top that list. And four halves because I think that the, the halves have got the best chance to go big. Um, and they've also going to have some weeks where one of them gets hurt and you can't do anything about it if you've got enough or a crap player you've got to play in there. Or as well, um, you can play matchups. And if you have, say, um, you know Nathan Cleary playing away at the Storm, um, you can easily play SJ instead and just bench Cleary. Uh, and you want to be able to do that with your halves. It could go real low. So I think that his setup is right. Um, as far as the 20, though, I kind of disagree a little bit on the 20. I'm going to have probably 23 players for the run home that are going to be active players with two nuffs. Out of those 23 players, I'm going to have 20 guns. Um, and then I'm going to probably have three guys that are sort of going to be left over that aren't going to be worth trading out that are going to give me some flexibility as well. So someone like Staggs at the Broncos is not great, but I don't have enough trades to get rid of him. It's not worth burning a trade to get him out. And he's dual between center wing and second row. So I'll have him there. You know, maybe if I get real short, I'll be using someone like a Staggs. Otherwise, you know, there you're... 
you're, they're my extra players. So I really think that probably you want 22, if not 23 guys that you can actively play. Yeah, that's just for me and how I do the team build for the run home. How do you feel about it? I don't think there's any real set number. Um, I, but in saying that, I think you just need to look at the draw, the quality of players, and, and think who you actually need. So um, you really only need one fullback, but you could have enough. You could have a, a number of awesome centre three quarter jewels to cover that. But given that Tedesco has an easy draw and Turbo is only available fullback, you have to have those two. End of story. Yep. Pong is a gun, so he has to be a five eight. Um, you don't have to have four halves. You can have one guy like SJ who can cover both positions as a backup and ultimate you know, for like your example where there's, you know, Cleary plays a store away from home. You can bench, you know, so Cleary and play SJ. But um, you need to have a second person there probably just in case, you know, if, if Polar is Polar is, um, is rested, um, you, you also need, or injured, you need, you need to have that backup scenario for um, both of those guys. But you could probably get away with one jaw SJ. And Hooker, you probably only need the one because Cook's never going to... Um, you're never going to not play Cook and he's rarely going to be injured. But you just need to be prepared that you know there might be a game where you know, either this, this buy round or, or the one after um, Origin, he, he might get, he might get um, rested or get um, rest minutes or have punched another 50 score. So you need to be prepared for the fact that he might be asked by like, like, like McInnes or Smith for a couple of weeks. Yep, yep. So that's... Um... Right, so next question, um, we've, it's another Cam Murray question, but just real quickly, um, we've got Mitchell asking whether, if he's got the trades left, should he be trading out um, Murray to Pangai Jr. and then back again in like round 20? You can be, pretty much do that with anyone, Billy, if you've got enough trades, it doesn't really matter, but geez, you'd want to have a lot of trades to, to be doing that. I'd actually just stay with TPJ, given that he's, um, if you're going to go that laterally, um, especially given he's gone eight minutes on the edge now. Um, I know Fafita's got to uh, come back and Gillette's got to come back, but either way, he played eight minutes last week, so if the big fellow's doing that, I'd, I'd be reluctant to trade him back to uh, Murray. Four bases, obviously, on par, but Murray just had that uh, extra attack that you know was going to come uh, sooner or later, so yeah, I'd, I'd flick him out of it for now, but just to see how it pans out, and if TPJ's doing his job, I wouldn't even bother trading back. Yep, and like Drew asked, with his 20 players for the run home, he also mentioned his three trades left enough. Um, if you've got your team set, then three trades is, is okay, just to have those for reserve trades if you really have to get an injury out or whatever. Um, but if you're doing trades where you're thinking you're going to get someone back in, like what uh, Mitchell Paterson's just asked us, then you'd want to have like eight trades at this point left if you're planning on getting someone out and back in and burning two of those eight trades, so at least eight trades, if not more. Yeah, don't get rid of too many players. Um, I think one or two keepers to get rid of and come back is sort of doable. Beyond beyond that, you start to spread yourself thin by only giving yourself in you know, sort of five trades for the run home, um, and, and you know what happens. Uh, it's what is it round sixteen now? We're going to go to round twenty six, mate, or twenty five? So twenty five. Yeah, you've got another you've got another ten rounds, and on average, it's one player in your team that gets injured every week. So um, yeah, just just make sure you've got enough depth and you've got. Um, probably at least a good two trades up your sleeve for the for the uh, for the semi-finals and the finals come head to head. Yeah, Daniel Valentine's asked us: Is five trades left a scary proposition for the run home? How many do you want in your in your um, run home? It's as far as injury and suspension cover goes for trading. Similar sort of question. I think five's fine post buy. What I will say is something that you mentioned, Billy, and that's 
again, when we're talking about differences between head-to-head and overall, if you're overall, you want to have as many trades as possible post this next buy because that's the run to the finals for head-to-head teams. You want to be able to get to your grand final um, and even indeed your, your, your semi-finals and in those semi-finals be able to make trades during that weekend to win you your matchups. So you, you ideally really, if you're a head-to-head player, would probably want 10-plus trades at the moment um, to be able to get you through. If you've got five trades like Daniel has and you're more worried about overall, five trades is fine, I reckon, if your team's set and you're all good. Yeah, as long as you're going to make the finals, but if you're in a position like me where you're sort of ranked 14th or 15th in the in the comp, um, having trades obviously doesn't mean diddly squat because you ain't going to be in the finals. So burn them and win by whatever whatever it takes um, just to get yourself over the line. Um, That's true. As well. That's Shout out to the Soul Taker who I beat by two points this week. If you ever listen to this podcast, dude, you just got owned. <laughs> <laughs> Great call out. So Rick's asked us, uh, I don't have Bateman or Mau, which is more important for the run home in the centre wing. You mentioned earlier that you prefer Manu Ma'u. Uh, I actually prefer Bateman. Yeah, mate, prefer Manu just the way, just the way he's been playing. Um, if you if you asked me that question four weeks ago, I would have said Bateman hundred percent. But I just Mao just seems to have come back a different player. Um, Eels are a bit of a better team at the moment. I don't know if um, the injury sort of affected him a little bit, or um, well, whether, whether the Aussie cold to get into him. I don't know, mate. All, all I know is that, you know, Mao's gone on the run. Uh, I know the try he scored over the weekend was pretty soft, but still, without that, he scores, you know, he still scores uh, 15 points more than what, um, or 10 points more than what um, Bateman did. So, yeah, I, I'm just on the Mao train at the moment, mate. Yeah, I like Bateman's upside with the attacking stuff. I, I think that before he was doing pretty well with both tackle breaks and tries and stuff. The last, the next month as well, Billy, um, for Bateman. He's got Dragons, Tigers, Penrith and Warriors, and I really like that run. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter who he plays, mate. As long as it's not the Storm or the Chooks, that bloke's a machine. But I'm like, it's probably my favourite problem that's ever come out here. Yeah, I don't think that you can go wrong with this one, Rick. Um, they're both good options. Um, you can probably just choose whichever one you prefer. Billy prefers Mao, I prefer Bateman. So, flip a coin, mate. Um, Lockie Patton's asked us, best trade-out for D Walker, and is Cleary a hold? So Walker is centre wing. Geez, there's so many centre wings that you could go D Walker to. So obviously we've got our three forwards, two of which we've talked about in Bateman and Mau. Um, and then we've also got Nakora. And then we've got the premium centre wing options that aren't forwards like Latrell Mitchell. And then you've got the guys that have gone well in spurts like a, a Clint Gutherson or a Mamolo. Um, those are all better options than what D Walker is. Um, is there anyone else that you can think of that might be a good one for him? So this late in the season, I'd just be going to Staples. I wouldn't be trying to get too tricky. Um, use the tra- use the last of your trades to get the guys in that you just need to score points on the gate the others. And 100% at the moment, it's Mao and Bateman and uh, Latrell Mitchell with that insane draw that he's got. And then whoever else you want to play for it for, even if it means just keeping a guy like in the corner and praying, you know, sort of gets a little bit of that ball back. Um, so Jake Howarth has asked us, um, what do you think of Carter playing left for the Storm? Seems to be the side they like playing to, and he's only 330k. A couple of other people mentioned Carter as well. Um, I'm I'm not a fan. I, I don't think he was a very good option to even get at the Warriors, and I don't think that he's going to have a huge super coach impact at the Storm. He might go on some runs like all center wings do, but I don't see him anywhere near as good as any of the other options that you could get. Um, Clint Gutherson's only 60k more than him. Far better. 
um, when Carter was playing the first six rounds of this season. His scores were 33, 34, 30, 17, 30, and one big score of 96. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty much what he does. His 2018 average is 47. His average in 2017 was 37. He's just not going to be good enough. Even at that price tag, you can get other guys that are going to be better. Even in that team, mate, um, his one advantage is that he'll be he'll be sitting off the hip of a monster. But uh, you got to ask yourself how much did that advantage blokes like you know C or um, or Chambers or whoever else was out there? No, no one's punching big big numbers on that on that left side. The only person that really the only person that really uh, gets any advantage in that um, storm sort of outside back is you know that that winger. Um, what do you call it? Um, out of the car. He just gets the ball last minute and goes straight through. I mean, they're not, they're not even playing right side. Vinny Barley's getting nothing these days. It all ends up in Addo Carr's hands or, you know, a, a Papin Houston who's supporting through the middle. Yeah, and the other thing with Carter as well is that, um, you know, he, he got dropped from the Warriors. Um, the Storm brought him over, obviously. That's fine. But they also brought him over fairly cheaply, I think, with some of his contract being paid. Um, it, he's no guarantee to stay in that side, um, particularly with Craig Bellamy. Like, if Carter throws up a stinker this week, there's every chance that they throw him back in New South Wales Cup and they just, you know, get Steve back up or whoever he's replaced. Or they've got like guys like Olam and stuff that are decent replacements that might come into the side. I just think that there's, especially now, he hasn't even played football since round six. But I don't think he's an option at all. Whose spot did he take? Yeah, so good point, Billy. Um, Chambers is the guy that it looks like that Carter's replacing. So, yeah, it's a definite no well, You'd expect him to come out for Chambers anyway. Yeah, not exactly that secure, is it? <laughs> no, no. Just don't go near him. Might be different. Might be different if he was taking Boyd's spot. Well, on that note, let's talk about the first game because it is uh, the Dragons versus Storm. So we'll move on to TLT. Uh, obviously, heaps of changes. So the Dragons have got Vaughan, um, Frizzell and Hunt and Norman all on origin duty. It's a real shame for those that brought in Corey Norman thinking he might be a pod for round 16. Uh, Tarek Sims is out now um, through suspension and also selected New South Wales anyway. That means that we've got Laurie, Lattimore, Sims and Lalua all starting. Um, the big news is that Josh Kerr, the nuff that we were all hoping for, has turned up. He's on the bench, but he's still going to give us some points off the bench, which is great. He should return to obscurity after that. Uh, and for the Storm, obviously mass changes again. Munster, Chambers, Kafusi, Welsh now, and also Addo Carr and Finucane or an um, origin duty. The other guy that was talked about as enough was Sandor Earl. He's in the squad, which is good. Um, and everything else, there isn't really much of note except for, unfortunately, Pappenhusen is um, on the bench, and I think a lot of people expected him to start. And that's probably the biggest kick in the guts, aside from Norman owners in this game, Billy. Yeah, I'm absolutely loving that one, mate. Feel very sorry for people that have Papin Houston getting five minutes this weekend. <laughs> you think there might be a late change and he ends up in the side, maybe? Uh, probably, but hopefully it just stops a lot of people from buying it, although I just realised it's round, it's uh, first game, so no, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, least, at least he gives everyone a, a decent chance to um, evaluate what, Bill, what Billy, Billy Ake wants to do on a Friday night, mate. So. Yep. Um, so, as far as uh, VC and C options, we've obviously only got the four games. And yet, being a buy round, you definitely want to use a VC. So, you wouldn't be seeing anyone in this one anyway. But can you see 
any potential VC options? Cameron Smith obviously sticks out to me as a premium one. Smith, maybe, but if you own McInnes, I'd do that, maybe. But you'd probably get a lot of tackles, but probably safer to go to the goalkeeping boat. Yeah, probably Smith won't. Yeah, I think the thing that I like with Smith is because they're short, he's going to have to be doing a lot of work in this one without Munster there. Uh, Billy Walters is the number six, so he's obviously not experienced either. Um, so I expect Smith to take a fair bit of charge, even though it's uh, at Wynn Stadium. The Dragons side um, is pretty inexperienced. That pack in particular, starting Corbin Sims, McInnes, Lattimore, Host, Leilua and, and Laurie, some of those guys have been good as like one of the you know younger or inexperienced guys starting, but all those guys starting together, Cam Smith could work them over in the middle really hard, um, and I, I I think the Storm are going to win this one, and Smith could be kicking a few goals. My thought process there is that it's it's away it's away from home, and it's not exactly a team like the Chooks and the Dragons have a lot of um, yeah a lot of serenes there. I think the game will be all over the park more so structured and up the middle. So I, I don't see Smith getting as many tackles as, as he otherwise would. So you, mm. I think you'll be relying on him um, uh, kicking a few more goals and normalise a try, a try assist. I wouldn't want to back him on that. So I'm not even going to VC him. I'm just going to, just going to hope he gives me a good sort of 70, 75 and I'll go looking for VC option elsewhere, I think. Yep. No, fair enough. Um, so I'm all the way on... The Storm winning this one, Billy. I think that they'll win by 12, 12 plus points. Yeah, we on that one with the Storm um, points. I've got no idea, but I just uh, if you, you look at the halves of both teams as well as the outside backs and the, the depletion of forwards, and you just don't even recognise either team. So it, it would not surprise me if Drag Dragons won this by twelve, but it's a Storm, so I'll, I'll go the same as you, mate. Storm by twelve, right? Yep. Other than that, it's not a really. It's not an exciting game. There's not too many other ones to talk about. Um, probably someone that I will give a mention to, though, for consistency, is we mentioned a month ago on the podcast that um, Aitken at the Dragons was potentially a really good buy, and that was back in, like, round 10. And he has absolutely killed it for a month um, as far as relative to his price tag. Um, he was uh, about 286k in round 11. And he's punched out a 47, 59, 82, and 69 in that four-week run. And in that run, his consistency on his base has been right back to where we needed it to be. Um, 41, 41, 41, 38. You don't get more consistent base than that from a center wing. Um, He's 418K now, still got a low BE. Couldn't really buy him for that. But if you got on him in the last few weeks or month, then you'd be cheering. Um, and he's probably going to go well at Wynn Stadium this week again in a buy round. Yeah, good numbers there, mate. I didn't realise it was that high. Um, I just looked at these numbers thinking, hey, he scored a line break try last week, just stay away But um, at that price. But yeah, if you got on early, um, yeah, cracking buy. Yeah, you can even just hold on to him for the rest of the season now. He still plays the Titans twice. Um, got your Eels in there and the Tigers as well. He's got some decent matchups. Oh, turn it up, mate. <laughs> so, Buy low, sell high. Let's move on to the next one. The Tigers versus the Roosters uh, over at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, so Josh Alloway returns at prop for Clark, who got moved in at last minute last week. Um, Moses Zambai's out, replaced by Momorowski um, with the Roosters. Lots of big news all over the park. Uh, Luke Curie's back at 5'8". That's going to help that edge so much. Um, 
Latrell Mitchell's obviously out of origin, so he's still playing. Manu is back to fullback, replacing Tedesco. Uh, Nat Butcher is going to start with Takiaho out, replaced by Jared Weir Hargraves. This is huge for super coaches for the Roosters side of things. The Roosters have completely killed people this week who are doing buy planning. A lot of people that jumped on Drew Hutchison early, thinking that they'll get this game out of him and then he'll nuff out. Uh, he's not in the side. He's in the extended bench, but he won't be coming into the team. That's hurt those guys. If you manage to also have Takiaho in, he's going through the concussion protocol. And he's not even in the in the squad, so he's gone. Um, that's a massive blow for super coaches, Billy, um, right there, just in those couple. It's uh, there's been carnage every single buy round now, um, and this is just no exception here. Oh, I've been throwing my toys out of the all afternoon, mate. Recent to the choir here. <laughs> Chico, uh, well, the other thing too uh, is that they've thrown Angus Crichton on the bench again. That's right. He'll score better from there anyway. <laughs> I've got to tell you that I was uh, when because I was planning on getting Takiyaho in this week, and when I saw that he wasn't playing, I was like ready just to rage trade Angus Crichton in. Um, and I thought that <laughs> like I thought that last week he would have just got a kick up the ass by Robbo, where it was like sit on the bench and, and work your way back in. But I thought this week being a buy round in particular and also just wanting to teach him a lesson for a week, I fully expected Crichton to be back starting in the second row against the Tigers. And for 450k, I was almost just going to take the punt. Back on the bench again. I just, uh, I can't believe it. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to spoon fit him. Well, I don't know, mate. Maybe tied forwards, he came on, he was just hungry and just ran all over the park and they were easier to drag down. I, I, I don't know, mate, but um, yeah, he, um, I didn't I didn't see uh, most of that game, but I'll tell you what, the, um, looking at that tackle count, just rack up and rack up and rack up, you could, you could see the super coach thumbers just flicking over, so it was almost like he was trying to prove a point to uh, get into this squad. Yeah, let's delve into the Roosters first. Um Latrell Mitchell's the third most traded in player at 6.2%. That should be the case at 570k. He looks like decent value at a 60-something BE as well. Good time to get him in. Um, Joseph Manu is in the top 10 as well. A bit of a tricky one here. He's he's 440k now. Um, he's already had his big price rises. He's obviously playing fullback, which is great. He's still got a minus 48 BE, and he's actually in only 8% of teams. I understand getting him in. Um... What we've said before, and this was actually a question that we didn't fit into the mailbag, so we may as well talk about it. We've said before he's not great at centre wing. Um, so, I mean, knowing that he's playing fullback this week, he does have the minus 48 BE. Is it a case of if you've got the trades to get him out later, he's a great buy for this week? But if you don't have the trades, you should probably still just stay away rather than have to keep him for the rest of the season? I wouldn't be buying him now. Um, the only reason I got him last week was because of... Um that massive negative break-even and was pretty much a, a no-brainer after his last game at fullback that he was going to play there this week. Absolutely did not play him last weekend. You can't bank on a guy that scores 30 points every week to score you know, to score a try, um, especially given he's only scored one, one all bloody year uh, until last week. So um, given that he's already, he already increased in price by, what, 75000 last week, whatever it was, and you're only yep. going to get another 20 out and there's absolutely no guarantee that he's going to score 160 versus the Tigers, mate. Um, even Teddy's only scored 65 versus the Tigers. There's no, there's no guarantee this bloke will even score 50. 
Um, it's likely that he might punch, you know, 60, 60, 70, 80, but you can't bank on it. And to spend that sort of coin on a guy for one game and one game only and then never, ever playing again or having a trading straight away before you lose that coin, I wouldn't do it. Yep. No, fair call. Um, the other guy on the Roosters side, Billy, that I'm looking forward to in this one is my mate Tupo, who is my, my big pod option for my centre wing rotation for the run home with the Roosters draw. Three-round average of over 61 points, um, and he's since I traded him in, he's gone 60 and 69 points the last two two games. Um, he could go well this week and only 3% owned. That's who I'm excited to watch. I actually, I reckon is going to have a pretty good finish. Um, can't really buy him, I don't think, because he's now close to 450k, but at 400k a couple of weeks ago. Uh, opportune time for those that jumped on, and this is a round that hopefully he'll repay us. I don't think it's too late for him. Um... I, I just don't like him because there's so many better options, like the guys we talked about earlier, plus having uh, Latrell in your team. Yep. But if you really, really wanted to go balls out and have a decent pod, um, mate, he's he's the right price. He's, he's off the, the right halves combination, one of the best centers in the world when he's got his finger out of his ass, and probably you know, the, the top one or two teams in the world in you know, who are about to hit you know um, some of the the easiest teams in Oz to play against. So, um, yeah, I've been banking on him scoring a few in the next few weeks, but um, yeah, probably only only for the pod players. But yeah, if you wanted a if you wanted a pod and you had like a really solid five centre wing already, um, he he's one that I've thrown up there before at three percent ownership. Um, he's with the Roosters draw. I, I think he's a decent one to go for if you've got a solid five that you've already got in your centre wing and you want to rotate someone and play the draws. Roosters draw is one of the best ones. So. Uh, be pretty happy with yeah. him. Um, on the Tigers side of things, though, mate, obviously Madison's a big buy this week in Market Watch. Uh, are you going to have him in your side for this game? Yeah, I bought him last week. Um, had to get someone in last week, and there were, it came down to I think three or three, three or four options. It was either you know, TP, TPJ with no sort of guarantee of big minutes, um, or Trell starting at six, Tabaga with a high break even. Um, Crichton, who, who lucky I didn't take because he ended up starting on the bench or um, or Gal. So, oh yeah, I took Old Bones Gal, which didn't turn out too well. But <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna buy, if you're gonna buy a bloke like that, this is this, this, this is the week to do it. Yeah, and the only other guy on the Tigers that was chatted about leading up to this week as a, a massive pod shot, shot in the dark was um, Nofo, um, but he backed up his 76 in round 14 with a. Poultry 27 against South, which was really disappointing. That was a shocking game. Um, I think that he did yeah. enough in that for me not to be interested. Yeah, same. He was um, he was my call out. I think about two weeks ago as an option for more, for more option instead of uh, more Marlow. But um, yeah, checking out of that one, I just kind of figured there was too much negative. Thank Christ for that. That one didn't turn out too well. <laughs> <laughs> In this one, as far as VC and C options, I'm personally going to be VCing Latrell Mitchell um, with obviously an easy loop in the buy round. And I think that he's... Yeah, so I, I think he's the premium option um, as far as VC options go. He he could easily score 100 and go back to form against the Tigers. I don't think he can afford to not do it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, mate. Arguing. Probably my VC as well, I think. So how do you see this one going? I think it's a bit of a tough one, even as a Roosters fan. Like, I like the Kiri's back, and they've obviously got the strike weapons there still, but um, the Tigers are pretty unaffected by origin, aside from Mbaya, Um and it's at Bank West. Uh, it could be 
could go one of two ways, I reckon. The, the Roosters could put on a lot of points and still be like one of the top sides in the comp and, and look like it against them, or uh, it could be a bit of a battle. No, I think I think the Roosters destroyed them, mate. They really do. Um, I think although um, although the Roosters are depleted somewhat, not not a ton, they've got they've got a lot of quality young, younger blokes coming through. So you get rid of a bloke like Teddy, Teddy, and you get uh, Maru go go to fullback. You got Latrell sitting off Kiri again, and Tupu on that left hand side. You've got Cronk on the right hand side. Um, you got Angus Crichton who's coming off the bench and did what he did last week. Orbo who just you know just just does his job. Um, then you've got the younger blokes like um, like uh, Bradley and um, uh, and Nat Butcher who are rate highly um, just coming on coming onto the middle, just just trying to prove their worth. Mate, blokes like that are going to rip in and, and try absolutely tear the Tigers apart to prove the coach that they deserve more minutes, mate. So I think I think you'll find that this team absolutely tear apart the Tigers. Well, I think there'll definitely be points on offer um, either way. So I think the Roosters players are going to score well. To finish off on um, this game with Madison, I'm not going to get him in my team. Um, he's a bit too expensive and I don't want to you know, drop the depth in my team to be able to get a Madison and a Latrell Mitchell. Do you uh, think that that's suicide for this week for the non-Mado owners? No. no. No, 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 not, not at all. Agree with you, hundred um, percent. I got it. I got him last week, but um, that was to get you know uh, a, a bloke that could you know, most likely score sixty through through weeks in a row to replace a, um, a bloke like Murray who I benched. But, um, but obviously Murray's not playing this week, so I don't need a bloke that's going to score 60, 60 points. He may as well go go and get a bloke like Batchel who can score one hundred and sixty. So. Yeah, just just makes sense to um, get a more highly volatile bloke uh, like Latrell this week if you can. Yeah, and Madison's got an, an 85 BE, um, so you could get someone else like Latrell, and if you really wanted to get Madison for the run home, you could get him yeah. later on. Yeah, plus he's playing, he's playing, plus he's playing the Chooks, mate. He'll probably step up against us, though, being a, an ex-Chook, so I'm expecting him to... Does it- Oh, he'll step up. Just because the bloke's going to get angry and try to prove a point doesn't mean he's going to get through that through um, one of the best defensive lines. Yeah, mate, I agree with that as well. So let's move on to the Knights versus Warriors. Interesting one here. Um, Clemmer was a key inclusion. He's now not, and he's gone. He's one of the most heavily bought players this week. I expect a lot of reverse trades to happen. And obviously, we don't have a Pong in there as well. So, Connor Watson's actually going to play fullback, mate. So, your boy's back there. He might get that 70 average after all. Um, Denny Levi. <laughs> Denny Levi's returning at hooker. Um, so, Kurt Mann switches to centre um, with Edric Lee gone with a broken arm. In the forwards, they got Safidi and Glasby out. Um, no real big news as far as Supercoach relevant guys. For the Warriors, um, obviously, the big news is Isaac Luke's on the bench with Nathaniel Roach doing an ACL and gone. Lachlan Burr's on the bench as well, which means we have Jazz Tavaga retaining the number 13 jumper, which is the big thing. Um, now, if you're going to VC Latrell, Billy, um, this one's got a couple of C options involved in it. Uh, probably Mitchell Pierce would be the, the pod C that you could do, um, but the other one that's going to be a lot safer is going to be a Roger Tuovaza Shek C in this one, potentially. Um, I, reckon, um, I reckon Pierce... Um, yes, he is very volatile, but um, I think we talked about this last week. And if you look at his draw, all his rubbish scores are against hard teams, and all his <laughs> top scores are against easy teams. Yep. Sorry, 
easier teams. There was there was no there was no weird science about it. You know, a guy like SJ can score 100 versus any any team in the comp. His dead set cannot score points versus stronger teams, and the weaker ones he destroys. So I think he just this this week at home versus the Warriors, he just turns up and punches another 80, 85, does his thing, and goes home. Yeah, uh, I think it'll go well this week as well. Um, I think it'll be a pretty good matchup. I expect the Warriors to win. Um, and I, I guess if you're going to keep your VC, I think that Ken Mamolo is a real pod VC. I, I think that he might be in for a double against the Knights. Um, and sorry, I, I think the Knights will win, I should say. But I still think that Ken Mamolo could get a double. I was thinking the same thing about SKD. Oh, I don't think the three people that own SKD, though, <laughs> will make much difference. Uh, maybe they listen to the pod, I don't know. But, yeah, I, those are my options that I reckon are premium ones. Um, Mamolo is an interesting one. Um, he's gone on some good runs, and I've seen some people buying him this week. I'm a, a bit in two minds about it. I guess he's one of those guys that you could have in your rotation for the run home, but the Warriors do have a pretty tough schedule, which is what scared me off buying him for the run home. Yeah, same. I think Fina mentioned it the other day in, in the chat with someone talking about Mamolo. Um, yeah, if you look at his run home, it's... It's uh, not the greatest at all. I, I wouldn't be buying him for one game of crony. Crony goes over the line. I'd be uh, getting getting the, uh, the cheap ass winger from the team with a good draw. Yeah, Connor Watson's another guy that if you own him, he um, he might be a pod VC option. And what I would say is if you can make it work with your combos, if you're like a Milford owner and Milford's out now, Connor Watson's definitely an option where you could bring him in to, to 5-8. I wouldn't be doing it. I, mean, I like him. At six, he was done average of 57, I think it was. Uh, at hooker, he was he, he's a great runner, and he, and he, he attacks that line. He, he, t- he takes off. He takes off. He takes off from dummy half and tries to scramble over the line. That's where you get you know, a couple of quick 27-pointers. But um, I think we all know what happened with that bet, mate. For some reason, at fullback, like the first three games this year, he just wasn't taking the ups. I, I don't know what his bloody problem was, but I, I wouldn't be bringing him in um, based based off that formula, I, I just think it's too risky. As good as good a player he is, um, I think he's changed in position from um, Hawkeye to fullback this week is detrimental. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go 28-20, Knights victory in this one. Yeah, I think Knights nice victory too. Uh, by how many points, I don't know. Although I'm just going to put my mocker on myself like I did just then on Watson because I need 180. <laughs> Well, the last one is the Sharkies versus the Broncos in the shortened week. And before I do the team news, I'll, I'll just I'll do my slight second rant bugbear for the week. The Sharks were absolutely abysmal last week. I could not believe how bad as an NRL team the Sharkies played. Everything about them, there was no effort. It was a terrible performance. There were so many errors. I think they had like 18 errors in the team, a billion missed tackles. Guys like Matt Moylan. Matt Moylan was minus 12 in his supercoach points for errors made. Um, Sean Johnson was in and out of the game. Every one of them, like, to win, to win the game, Jack Williams makes a line break. And his Sharks players, instead of supporting him to, to get the game-winning try, aren't even there. And five Bulldogs players run past them to make the tackle to stop him from scoring. And then Chad Townsend throws in a kick in a 4 and one situation to win the game. They were just, every effort area and just normal good football wasn't there. It was, like, I don't know if you watched it, but it was one of the worst performances I've seen from an NRL side in a long time. <laughs> no, I didn't see the game, mate. I was watching that one with um, interest. 
Like, I had, I think I had the entire uh, entire right side from the Sharks in my Supercoach team. So I was looking at the score, throwing things at the TV. Sorry, throwing things at my phone. If they're going to bounce back against someone, it's going to be against this Broncos side because they look terrible this week. I'm just going to read out their side rather than the guys out. Obviously, Milford's got a knee injury, which killed everybody that brought him in as a pod, including me. But Darius Boyd, Herbie Farnworth, Katoni Staggs, Shibasaki, Xavier Coates, and then in the halves, they've got Jake Turpin and Sean O'Sullivan, and their pack's got Lodge, Macca, Haas, Glenn, Pangai Jr., and Flegler at lock. So their pack looks pretty good, um, but I tell you what, that back line looks absolutely terrible. And then on the bench, we've got Seagy back, and then we've got Reese Kennedy, ex-supercoach gun of the past, Sean Fenson returns, along with Paddy Carrigan. The Sharkies have actually managed to not drop anybody or even bench anybody, aside from the guys that are out with Origin. Um, so uh, the big news I probably think is Bronson Sherry is back at centre and Josh Dugan's back on the wing. Um, hopefully that makes a difference for Sherry owners. Um, and Capewell obviously comes in to start for Wade Graham, who's out with Origin duty. So the Sharkies look pretty strong, mate. They were terrible last yeah. week, but they should put a billion on this Broncos side. Yeah, I'll be back in SJ. I'm putting, I'm putting the, C on the, C, the C on SJ for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping um, his uh, volatility sort of... And the fact that he plays in the last game of the weekend kind of scares a few people off to us slapping the C on him, especially those at the top of the ladder. It's probably a bit too risky for him. But, um, yeah, I reckon an SJ, an SJ Tano and SJ Small score make or break a lot of people in the top sort of 200, 250 this week. Oh, a lot of these Sharks guys could do well, but I'm heaps keen on SJ. He's the most trading player this week, unfortunately, so his ownership's getting back up there. He was only 14% owned last round. Already he's got 14.7% of coaches trading him in. So I was hoping that we were going to go into this week with him around 20% ownership. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be more like 30-plus percent ownership, which I wasn't. I was hoping that wasn't going to be the case, but he's going to be a lot more heavily owned than what he was Having said that, like you said, um, I'm almost hoping, mate, to be honest, that Latrell Mitchell throws up a bit of a tough decision one of about 88 points or something, and people, you know, take the loop, and then I might consider just keeping it on SJ because I'm that confident that he's going to go well. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll, agree. I'd say for a bit more on that, or worst case scenario, sort of being 10, 15 points off it, so worth the risk going. One of the things that we've spoken about before as well is that um, the Broncos' edge forwards, um, edge defence, gives up a lot of points. And that is going to be prime for Britain Nakora owners. So I'm hoping that he's going to be able to take advantage of that as well. Well, yeah, yeah I think a lot of people are hoping he, hoping he bounces back this week, mate, because he needs to produce something. Yeah, he's been really average lately. Um, I mean, I've, I've fluctuated. The last sort of month, I've really questioned whether I want to uh, even have him in my final 17. Um, for my squads going forward, um, I'm really not sure anymore. As soon as he goes out of the line, scores at 80 points, everyone will be back on the gravy train again, wondering what they were ever thinking. Dumping <laughs> a bloke that scores 50 points in base. Well, we should probably do some nice things for the Broncos supporters and talk about their squad too. Um, Katoni Staggs, I was pretty impressed with last week. He's got the goal kicking now. Um, so that really helps him. Um, the other guy that I was really impressed with was TPJ again. 80 minutes, like you said, on the, on an edge. Um, he threw in a few offloads, um, and he was looking a little bit dangerous again. 
Uh, I'm, I'm loving him as a buy um, last week at 450k and, and this week as well, not much more. Yeah, although um, after talking about that Sharks team, mate, I, I, you kind of put me off bringing any Broncos. So <laughs> I might, um, yeah, I, I, might, I might lay him. Yeah, I, I'm happy that I got him in, but I got him in for the um, for the whole season. He scored 60 points last week, which was solid. He probably could have scored a little bit more as well if the Broncos weren't so inept. So I kind of think that's his flaw. He'll probably throw up at least a 60 this week, but he still hasn't scored a try this, this year. So that's going to have to come eventually. So maybe it'll come this week. He's still got pretty low ownership too. So he's almost a pod. Yeah, yeah. Decent pod to have. You know, when you know worst case scenario, you're going to get sort of 55 points. Yeah, well, my, my front row forward is an all Broncos front row forward rotation for this week. I've got Payne Huss and, um, and TPJ there. So hopefully the forwards go okay. Um, what about your mate, mate, Matt Moylan? He was terrible again last week. Um, surely, surely... People like you get their faith repaid by him this week against this Broncos side. So. Oh, if he doesn't, he's going to have a noose around his neck next week. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to go the Sharkies by 24 plus, and I'm going to say that after this week, Darius Boyd will be dropped out of the side, even if Milford isn't healthy. He is gone. Yeah, I think you had one of those right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a lot yeah, of talk um, that um, Boyd was... Uh, it was reported that Boyd would have got dropped this week if they didn't have guys out. That's how bad he's been going. Yeah, mate, I, I, I see the Sharks putting on, a, putting on a display this week. How many points? Anyone's guess, but yeah, probably two and a half, three tries ahead. All right, well, that's the last game. Short week, buy round. Uh, how many are you going to have for this week, Billy? I think 13 with um, TKO, TKO now out. Yeah, I got 12 now with Milford out, so we're both in a similar boat. Um, so good luck with your week, mate. Hopefully you nail your captaincy choices. We'll probably have the same ones anyway. Yeah, thanks, buddy. It's one of those rounds where you can have 10 players, but if you get the pod captain right, you may as well have had 14. So let's just hope the captaincy is right. Yep. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much for tuning in again. Um, you can download us or stream us on both SoundCloud or iTunes. Do subscribe on iTunes. I get a lot of questions about when the pod's going to be out and stuff. If you subscribe on iTunes, it'll pop up and notify you and you can listen to it straight away. Normally, Wednesdays around 5 p.m. It's up and ready to go. Uh, other than that, um, please do follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And thanks for the shares and follows. Good luck for the round 16 buy. Hopefully, all your decisions are good ones and we'll chat to you again next week.